Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek. Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Question, 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 question. Are we ever, are we ever going to get tired of the same thing over and over again? Insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It hasn't even been a week. And we've had already two massacres. Um, You know, I love the folks who always say, "Ah, guns don't kill, it's the people behind the guns that kill. Yeah, but if they don't have the guns, they can't do it that way, right? When are we going to learn? I want to start out talking about that in the beginning, but beforehand, let me go and talk to my folks, Julie Van Osdell. Good afternoon from Lakeville, Minnesota. Welcome aboard to Politics and Right. Michael Rudnin, of course, he comes with his narrative. Love you, Michael. GOP Senator's attack on Washington, D.C. statehood spectacularly backfires. Senator Mike Rounds doesn't seem to know his own state's history. There is no good reason why D.C. shouldn't be a state. Republicans opposed for purely partisan reasons. D.C. statehoods add two Democratic senators to Congress. Next, repeat for Puerto Rico. They're overdue as well. Very true. Sidney Powell, that supposedly respectable conservative attorney. Sidney Powell tells court, no reasonable person would take her voter fraud claims as fact. No reasonable person? point to the multiple polls indicating over 70% of Republicans falsely believed the 2020 election was fraudulent. The right-wing bubble lied conservatives into a frenzy resulting in January 6th, the insurrection. Either the polls contradict her contention or she's insinuating Trump's cult. Conservatives are not reasonable people. No, she was one of the building blocks of the big lie. She was, Sidney Powell was one of the big liars. She, you know, when, and when she says no reasonable person would believe her, is she saying she is willing to tell all Republicans you should never believe me again because you never know when I'm actually telling the truth or not? She was so forceful about all the machines that are, that, you know, even from Venezuela. You know, I mean, Hugo Chavez from his grave was putting in votes for Donald Trump. I mean, for uh, Biden. I mean, the gall of these people, but you know what is scarier? I tell you what is scarier. What is scarier is that there are Republicans who believe her. And I don't honestly believe they believe her. I think that is their backstop. In other words... When somebody says, well, how can you say that? What are you thinking? How are you thinking? They can say, well, Sidney Powell is a very respectable attorney. And she says there, were fraud, there was fraud in the machines. And even though they know deep in their hearts it's not possible. Some people just say they're, they win at all cost. And I'll take whatever cover story I need to take. And that's what it's all about. Don't ever believe it isn't. Good to, uh, two good, good uh, gets Michael Rudnin. 
I, I'm going to talk about the mass shooting a little bit, but that's my main topic today is the postal service, not the shooting, because we, we, we say the same damn thing about the shootings over and over and over again. Nothing changes, and it's only going to change when we decide we really want it to change. But we continue to allow the, the, the NRA to, be, to put the fear into our politicians instead of having our politicians fear us kicking them out. Whenever the politicians think it's a higher percentage of us kicking them out as opposed to the NRA giving them money and giving them their mailing list to talk to their people to try to fool their people into kicking, when that is broken. Because, I mean, most people want background checks. Most people want, you know, most people want good things on guns. They just aren't doing it. Most people don't care about AR-15s. I mean, they don't kill deer with AR-15s. They kill people with AR-15 and they say, oh, well, we need to create all of this to prevent the tyranny of the government. I would like to see an AR-15 go against an M1 tank or go against an F-16 or, a, or what's the new, uh, uh, the new stealth bomber or fighter. Can't do it. It is silly. This stuff is there to simply, it's a Ku Klux Klan kind of a thing. A certain group of people want to be armed so that they can put others in fear. You know? But then others are starting to arm as well. So it's all moot. But let me guess. Let's see. Julie Van Oon said, I literally am at a loss for words. My heart is shattered. Don't shatter your heart, my beautiful Julie Van Ostel. Call your congressperson. You have, you have your senator. You have your congressperson. And uh, call them. Leave your mark. Mass shooting happens every single damn day in the U.S. on average. If you count mass shooting by the FBI definition as four people shot in a single incident. Shame. Egberto, thanks for your effort and for your work putting up a thoughtful diary today. GOP pundit on Ron Johnson, one of the real symbols of how the Republican Party has lost its mind, and we're going to play that one today. Thank you so kindly for referencing that, my brother E2247. Tom C. says, Americans own nearly half of the 857 million civilian guns in the world. The United States has 120 civilian firearms per 100 people. More guns than people, the highest rate of any country. I mean, it's capitalism. Create all kind of affairs to create a demand for the weapon. The NRA isn't in it for people. The NRA is in it for the gun lobby. I mean, for the gun manufacturers. Don't ever think that this is about your rights. You see, too many of us believe this crap. In my book, uh, the, the one that I'm coming out, How to Make America Utopia, I'm covering some of these things about what capitalism does. You know, these guys, and you know, it's not that the people who are in the realm of capitalism are bad people. They're not. They're indoctrinated. We're all indoctrinated into believing that greed is good. We're all indoctrinated into believing that only if you have a certain kind of competition are we going to get progress. It's a lie. I'm an engineer. I've been an engineer from I was five years old. I just wasn't a degreed engineer until I was 21 years old, 22 years old. But I was always an engineer. I always liked to put things in outlets and build things and get things created. I didn't need money to do that. That was in me. Doctors, most doctors you don't see out there getting rich. Most doctors love healing people. 
I mean, it is like a, it is like an orgasm when you, when you, when you, when somebody walks out of your office that you've accomplished something to make their lives better. But there are those who have that sickness that they equate doctoring. My my daughter would tell you that. They're only going for a doctor because they see a high salary. There are some who go for a doctor because they want to heal people. There are those who are engineers because they want to build things. There are those who are lawyers because they want to navigate through the law system because they want to help people. A lot of us just want to help people. Greed, if greed was good, if it took greed to accomplish things, then Bessos will never, would have never been rich. It is something else that creates the Bezos. Bezos has not invented anything. He is a parasite that has used those people who like to do these things and make these things. And then he takes a cut of everything. But they didn't do it to get rich. Most people, most of the books he sells, the people whose books he's selling, they don't get rich. So if, if everybody was greedy, they would not allow... Jeff Bezos to be as rich as he is because they would not allow him to rip them off. They would be trying to rip somebody else off because everybody wants greed. Everybody wants to be. It's a fallacy that they tell us. Capitalism is a disease. It is a disease that makes you, that tries to tell you that stumping on somebody else, taking it at all costs, like uh, Milton Friedman said, you owe nothing to society. Corporations owe nothing to society. It is the duly responsibility of the executives to simply make money for the investors, for the shareholders at all costs, no matter what, as long as you don't break the law. I, that is in my new book as well. So don't be fooled into believing you are bad or you have to be bad or greedy or anything like that. What I'm doing here doesn't make it rich. I just know it's the right thing to do. Some people, most people are good. Most. Even your right-wing neighbor who sometimes you want to strangle, that person is a good person, just indoctrinated with the wrong indoctrinated. We are all indoctrinated. Some of us, luckily, have gotten the good indoctrination. Others have not. That's the only thing. E278, Atlanta 8, in Atlanta 10 in Boulder, 20 shot in Chicago and more in one week. Outrageous constitutional common sense steps to reduce gun violence. Full Senate Judiciary Committee hearing today, 320. Yes, I, I saw pieces of, uh, of it um, when, when, when uh, Ted Cruz comes out and says, Oh, Democrats just want to take your guns away. Who the hell cares? Senator Durbin extemporaneously spoke an open uh, statement from his heart, contrast to Grassley's completely scripted wooden talking points, which we all must take seriously and soundly repudiate. Thank you for giving that link, E2247. Eric Hayes says, NRA is a declining format. Yeah. Yeah, because they, you, a lot of people are finding out that the, 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 that the guy who runs it, I forgot his name right now, they, they, uh, they something, he was ripping your money off. He was buying $1,000 suits and flying with all, all the people. You know, they're giving, they're paying dues, and he's taking their dues and running away with it, flying in jets, private jets, expensive clothes, big dinners on your money. And then he says, oh, I'm there to support gun rights, of course. AVQ says, Tom C., yep, I think we in the U.S. are. 
the only major country with more guns than people said. We need extreme risk protection order, ERPO laws, gun violence resistance or uh, red laws, risk-based. You know what we need to do? Yeah, we need to force gun owners to buy insurance. And then the insurance companies have to insure whatever things can happen. And this guy who mauled down 20 people or 10 people, they can sue the gun company. They should be able to. Say, you know, your, your stuff was used to kill these people. Eight gun use outcomes are defensive gun use, gun industry outcomes. I'll read that later. Eric Hayes says, want to do with the criminals with guns, think they will give them up? Again, if you can't manufacture them, where are the criminals going to get it from? You know, you know what's always funny to me? When people use arguments like that. Oh, if you take guns away, the criminals are not giving it up. Well, if you, if you, you know, what, let's, let's put that on to drugs, right? They go ahead and they arrest all these people on the streets because they're using drugs. They're using drugs. You know, you go into the ghettos, you go into barrios, you go into the Appalachia. You have those poor young white folk, those poor young black folk, those poor young Latinos, those poor young Asian folks out there making a dollar, selling some pills, right? And they go to jail, they lock them up and throw away the keys, right? Have you ever sat down and asked the question? These guys don't manufacture these drugs. These guys don't have the wherewithal to build these drugs. They are done by corporation, the capitalist structure. Who doesn't care? They just create the chemicals, throw them out there. You guys go kill people with it if you want. We are one layer or several layers abstracted from the dead people. We don't have to worry. It, doesn't, it is there. Those people that are pushing the drugs and killing the people are the ones doing it. But they're using the drugs we created. Those pushers and those drug dealers, they don't know how to use the chemical formulas to create those drugs. But a lot of these drugs have one purpose. To get you high. But they don't go to jail. They're wearing suits. They're paying politicians not to mess with their industry, their chemical industries, their drug industries. We are being played. We are constantly being played, but our willful ignorance to be played is what we have to work on, all of us together. And, you know, when you sit down sometimes and wonder, how can we live in this system that constantly use the ignorance of others to hurt others. What's the fix to mass shooting? I'm going to tell you something. Okay, it's not going to be popular, but uh, gun license, let's see, you says uh, universal background checks on gun sales has over 90% polling support. All of those things are good, but I'm going to tell you the, 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 the best things. The best things are, uh, the best things are, we need to get out of the gun culture altogether. Carl Foster, on November 3rd, 2020, the Democratic Party became a criminal organization. Okay, Carl, why don't you tell me exactly what do you mean by that? I would be I would love to understand what you mean by the Democratic Party became a criminal organization. And by the way, I'm not a I'm, I don't care about parties per se. I'm within the Democratic Party because it's the one that's pushing liberal ideas right now. Roberto Lewis says military weapons should not be sold. Period. I agree, hermano. But the laws must change. The NRA got so much power of this country. It's ridiculous. Agreed. But they are losing power in reality. Uh, Eric Hayes, doctors would continue making good money with single-payer Medicare for all. Absolutely. The difference is that the government would pay rather than 
insurance corporate I, I, look what people don't understand in in healthcare profit is an expense an expense on you and there is no reason for it most of the drugs were created by who am again research and universities research done by grants and you know why it's done that way because corporations inherently are adver- adverse to risk so they allow the taxpayer to do a lot they get grants from taxpayers to start testing things. Look at even the drugs that we, even these drugs that they're, that all these drug companies are making a lot of money on, that spike, that spike uh, protein that these two uh, RNA drugs are based on, that didn't come out of the research, great paid for research by private corporations. Those, that was university work. Paid for by whom again? We all paid for it. Luckily, the government is also paying for the vaccine. But unfortunately, the government has given a lot of these private companies payment on our behalf. A lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people don't get it. It's not about always opinion. Fact-based opinion is solid. What you get on Fox News, what you get on Newsmax, what you get on ONN, OANN, it's just a whole bunch of fallacies and lies. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Uh, Tom C. Boulder's assault weapons ban meant to stop mass shooting was blocked by court 10 days ago. It's amazing. I wonder how those judges feel right now. If those, I don't know if the Colorado judges are elected, but if they are elected, we should have a campaign on that. The blood of these people are on, is on your hand. We should do that. Julie Van Osso says, I have... I have to go, y'all. Be kind and compassionate. See you tomorrow. Muchas gracias por estar aquí, Julie Van Astel. Thank you for having been here. Michael Renner says, support gun confiscation for cause. Absolutely so. All right. Okay. Egberto, cartels have their own chemistry involved and make their drugs. Curse, you're speaking solid truth. Absolutely. That's all I do. Uh, you just took drugs which were free, right? Uh, no, they, nothing is free. Drugs are not free. Even the vaccine that we take, even though we don't pay for it immediately at the point of sale, we all pay for it via our tax dollars. And some of that tax dollars go into the profit for the corporation. Welcome aboard, Bruce Pollard. Welcome aboard, my brother. All right, let's get busy with the program. Let me first uh, play this. what this uh, GOP pundit had to say, and then uh, we'll move on from there. When I start to green with Charlie Sykes, you know things are crazy. So anyhow, I want you to listen to this because I think he makes a lot of sense here. But you know, ironically, it would have been interesting if during the morass that's been going on, not only during Donald Trump, but during the Bush administration, during the attacks on Obamacare, during the attacks on on uh, when Mitch McConnell said Obama must be a one-term president. I wish he was as circumspect in his values as he is now. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. It seems like the other shoe has fallen, but perhaps not for Ron Johnson. What, what has happened to him in terms of his politics and his worldview since you, he first came across your radar? Well, I wrestle with this all the time because we do go back a long way. You know, and he went from being a 
a Chamber of Commerce Republican to more like Joe McCarthy, like a guy that, that reads conspiracy theory blogs. Um, and it, it is good hearing Roy Blunt push back, but the reality is, is that it's only Roy Blunt pushing back. And, and as, as much as Ron Johnson may seem to be an outlier, he's really a reflection of a lot of what's happening on the right in conservative circles, in a, in a media ecosystem that traffics in this kind of disinformation that always has an excuse. Nothing is ever racist. Uh, if you've uh, been caught peddling some falsehood, it is just asking questions. There are no consequences. And if you spend a lot of time, you know, in that conservative ecosystem, you kind of hear echoes of what Ron Johnson is saying. So you, you played a clip of him speaking back here in Wisconsin over the weekend, and he returned to his echo chamber where people are saying the same kinds of things. But it is it is troubling to see this, and from, from my point of view, to watch how he has been transformed over the last couple of years. To me, it's, it's one of the real symbols of, you know, how the Republican Party has lost its mind. And even after Trump, it, it still has this problem with disinformation and racism and an inability to hold people accountable or to ever apologize when they cross the lines. Yeah, I mean, Exhibit A and how the Republican Party lost its mind is probably Senator Lindsey Graham, right, Jonathan? I mean, here was a person. I mean, I interviewed him for MSNBC many years ago when his feet were still planted in terra firma. You recently interviewed him. Let's play a little bit of sound from that interview. There's something about Trump. There's a dark side and there's some magic there. And what I'm trying to do is just harness the magic. To me, Donald Trump is sort of a cross between uh, uh, Jesse Helms, uh, Ronald Reagan, and P.T. Barnum. I mean, it's just, it's just this bigger-than-life deal. He could make the Republican Party something that nobody else I know could make it. It could make it bigger. He could make it stronger. He could make it more diverse. Um, and he also could destroy it. Has Lindsey Graham lost his mind? He can make it more diverse. Hey, you know what? Maybe not, because we see that there are there is a tiny bit of these different identities that's so fed up with a system that doesn't work that, yeah, they may jump on the Trump bandwagon, but it will never be the majority of Americans because most Americans are good. And Donald Trump is the manifestation of evil. So, I mean, when you think about it, what is Lindsey Graham talking about? What has he seen that somehow Donald Trump can do for the Republican Party? Absolutely nothing. But the one thing that it's clear... These guys have become, the, as, as, as Sykes has said, Ron Johnson, well, all these guys have become the real symbols of how the Republican Party has lost its mind. Yeah, we all know the list. It's the, yeah, exactly, Jessica Taylor. Lindsay drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, but I, I, you, you know what I think? And I don't know this for a fact, people. But I think Donald Trump has something over Lindsay. Because you have to remember, Lindsay was really, Lindsay hated Donald Trump in the primary. And I mean, really, really, really hated him in the primary. And somehow he became a sycophant. How does that happen? 
Yeah, unless you're, you know, I think Donald Trump has a whole lot of stuff on a whole lot of people. That is my opinion. I have, by the way, you know, when I say something that I know nothing, that I have nothing, I tell you straight up, it's just an opinion. That's just an opinion that that has no backing. Anyhow, uh, these guys get away with a lot of things because the the mainstream media has been its enabler, and, and we, you know, they had tried to stop for a while. And why did they try to stop? Because they were realizing what was happening. What was happening is they, you know, the media to some extent is also responsible for the insurrection because they gave plausibility to much of what Donald Trump had done and they gave plausibility to to a whole lot. They make it believe like Donald Trump was a real president. Like Donald Trump, when Donald Trump, when something got accomplished that somehow Donald Trump is uh, accomplished it out of his intellect. Donald Trump has no intellect. Donald Trump has no. Donald Trump was lucky to be born with a silver spoon. And if you have, if you're the ones who was born, it is just like the the Majesty, right? If you happen to be born in in the crown, you forever are okay. If you are born with a certain amount of silver spoonish stuff in your mouth, you can maintain it as long as you don't blow and lose it all. You know, I mean, it's amazing. It's not like I, I also placed in my book, America. Let me remind you, America is not a meritocracy. I repeat, America has the semblance of being a meritocracy, but it isn't. And I also have that in my book, uh, the new book that's coming out. I hope to drop it in, in, in six weeks, less than six weeks, I hope, actually. Actually, I, I am putting the finishing stuff on it right now. Bruce and all you guys have been with me for a long time. You know I've been working on that book. In fact, I, I stopped working on that book to do the It's Worth It because of Donald Trump, you know, needing to talk to people. All Welcome, Paul Fleming from ATL. But I'm really into it right now, and I've been working at it every single night and doing a whole lot on it every single night. So it'll be there. Anyhow, um... So here's the media. I want to sh- show you something about the media. I didn't explain it off. Earlier, Martha Reddits uh, in- interviewed the Homeland Security Secretary. And uh, it was f- interesting that uh, she was really rough on him. Now she interviews a Republican uh, congressman. And watch how she gives him a leading question so that he would take the narrative that she's been trying to put out there as a journalist, not getting all the facts together, but as a journalist trying to say, why, did, uh, why didn't Biden just keep on doing what Donald Trump did? Check this out. You talk about the messaging. Clearly what he was trying to do is have a stronger message and forget about what was said three weeks ago. Is that enough? They're clearly starting to change that messaging now, even though word has not gotten out to Mexico across the border. I think it's uh, too little too late because the traffickers know they can take children from Central America, extort the families, exploit the children on the dangerous journey back uh, to the United States. And now, you know, they're calling back home saying, hey, we got in. Now, did you see how she was leading the narrative? Hey, yeah, they're doing the, they're kind of giving the right message now. But remember that you remember what they were saying, Congressman? Kind of talk about that. Uh, talk about that kind of message that actually is getting over the border right now. Putting words into the Congressman's mouth while at the same time, when formerly or previously interviewing Mallorca, she decided that she was just gonna say, "Why did you make any changes?" 
when Donald Trump had a policy, an evil policy, doesn't matter, but a policy that was sort of slowing things down. Not really. When Donald Trump left office, we were already on the rise. That is why we need to have independent media, because there are so many times when we actually have a media that tries to be a part of the message, to, I don't know to satisfy whom, but definitely not necessarily our values or the truth. Absolutely so, absolutely so. Anyhow, um, we are at the halfway mark, so let me go ahead and do my little uh, beg first here to say, hey guys, if you're on YouTube, please go ahead and click that join button and become a member. We need hundreds of you so we can get some help. We need a producer. We need uh, a fact, not only a fact checker, but we also need to, to get a copy. Ed. We need a whole lot of stuff that I am doing all by my lonesome right now. So again, please, please, please click on that button, the join button. Member of our PDR Posse run by Brige MCP. If you don't see that uh, join button, you can just go here and click on politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, and become a member of our PDR Passive. You become a member right now. I'll go ahead and put that little square on the box and say, hey, look who just became a member right here live on air. Uh, our, 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 the head of our PDR Passive was the designer of our PDR Posse cup as well. And if you want to get that cup, you can get that cup right there, the PDR Posse cup. And those are all the people you're going to see on the screen. Roberto Lewis, who bought the cup. We have Norman Reynolds, who bought the cup. We had uh, Bridge MCP, who bought the cup. We had Linda Lee, who bought the cup. And so many others, but only those so far have sent me pictures. If you got the cup, send me some pictures and I'll add it to the list. We want you. We want you. We want you. Anyhow, you can also support the program through our Patreon. Our Patreon is spelled politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsandright.com slash Patreon. You can also support us via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Again, that is politicsandright.com slash PayPal. You can uh, go to our store to get our T-shirts, our, our face masks, our hoodies, all kind of stuff at our, at our um, store. And you can also get that book that you see on the screen right now. That book on the screen. It's worth it. How to, how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. You can get that at Amazon or with our good friend, Gef Bezos, who gets most of the book. But that's the only way we could do it. But that's all right. If you want to uh, take out the middleman, you can get the book directly at our store as well. And if you get it at our store, we include... A bumper sticker and we signed the book as well so please consider supporting politics done right this is all that I do 16 hours a day seven days a week because I believe we and by the way I'm not the only one that does this there are a whole lot of other independents that are doing this because we realize that we have to populate the internet with our messaging to, to usurp the lies that are out there from the right so we have to make sure that the search engines can find these things. That's why I do between three and five videos a day, between three and five blogs a day. We do this show five days a week. On Tuesdays today, I have two shows going. Uh, today, you're watching us on the internet, but 
if you were not watching us on the internet, you would be on to, uh, you would be watching us, uh, or you'd be listening to us on, K- I am on right now, if you go to KPFT 90.1 FM right now in Houston, Texas, or if you go to kpft.org, the program that I'm showing there is that program. I have Jeff Ruiz, Alberto Ruiz, uh, Neil Aquino, and uh, Benjamin on the on Benjamin. I forgot Ben. Ben, don't forgive me that I forgot your name. I don't forget Benjamin Dixon's name and Benjamin Dixon. So we have two. We have two tracks today. That's on air right now. KPFT ninety point one FM Houston. But if you also go to kpft.org, you can actually watch that program there as well. Okay, look. So please support us. Go click the join button, and yeah, thank you, Jessica. <laughs> uh, Ben's gonna kill me that you know I got a brain. You know what? While while I'm on my show, anyhow. But folks, please, 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 go ahead and uh, click that join button. Become a part of our posse. We do need you. We couldn't do this without you. Okay, what am I gonna do now? I want to play this on the postal service, and then we'll take it thereafter. The parasitic nature of many in the sector continues. We can't have a good thing for the average American citizen. Every American has the right to drop a first-class piece of paper in the mail and have it reach any part of the United States very fast, mostly in one day, first-class several times, many sometimes two or three days, depending if it's Alaska or Hawaii. That may delay it some. I mean, that's our postal service, a constitutional entity. Well, you put somebody like DeJoy, a a Trump appointee in, and he's ready to destroy it. And there's a reason. I don't hear anybody talking about the reason. You know, they have been trying to destroy the postal service for a long time by saying it's running a deficit. They forgot to tell you that a lot of that deficit comes from having to pay into the pension plans more so than any private sector corporation has to do. But nobody talks about that. They just say, oh, the post office is running a deficit even though we're asking them to put away X amount, an excess amount of dollars in the pension plan of their employees. But check this out. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy unveiling a new strategic 10-year plan. USPS officials say this plan will set the agency up for long-term financial sustainability and excellence in service, but could also mean higher prices, and it could also mean delays in service. This is part of DeJoy's announcement. Contributors throughout the Postal Service management structure began an eight-month journey of identifying and analyzing every aspect of our organization. We reviewed or developed hundreds of concepts and initiatives for consideration during this period, leading to the recommendations for our future contained in this plan. Jeff, let's talk about these new changes. Uh, What are they proposing and how will they affect the the USPS in the long run? Yeah, well, the U.S. Postmaster General says that his latest operational changes are aimed at putting the Postal Service on a strong financial footing in the long run. The Postal Service posts billion-dollar losses year after year. But what that means in the short term for most people, Craig, is higher costs. We expect to see an uptick in the price to send letters and and packages. Uh, It's going to eliminate a tier of first-class mail and turn that into three- to five-day mail. 
There will likely be a reduction in hours for employees. The reason that would happen is because we'll also see a reduction in hours at actual post offices. Uh, there, it calls for increasing the use of trucks and decreasing the use of planes to actually transport mail from across <laughs> the country. That's one of the things that uh, will account for that delay in delivery. Right now, it does not include shutting down postal service processing plants. That was a big deal for postal employees. And the Postal Service says that they're, they're going to offer more services in post offices and uh, spend a lot of money in refurbishing post office lobbies. But I, I've talked to employees who say, look, there are good and bad things about DeJoy's plan. But the biggest thing they say is that the Postal Service is a service and should be treated like that and should not have to necessarily meet uh, the same standards as a business. And they say if that's, that's really their chief criticism of Louis DeJoy is that he's trying to run it like a business when the Postal Service really is an institution that is older than the country itself, Craig. Now understand this. The Postal Service, a lot of the reasons it's losing money is that Congress forced it to pay $110 billion dollars over 10 years into a retirement fund for its employees, something that no private corporation has asked. There is a story out in Barron's that said, the post office is always losing money, but it's not its fault. And that is true. It is a political manipulation that is attempting to destroy the postal service. Now, it's a constitutional entity, so they have to be careful in how they do it. So how would they do it? Make sure that the prices go up. Make sure that the service is lousy. And it stays in operation, but very few people use it, right? And then that means most people then transfer all of their services to the FedExes, the, US, the UPSs, the Airborns, and all these other private shipping companies. They get the mass of mail that's coming through the uh, postal service, which actually does most of the mailing. But hold on, hold on. Guess what else you can expect? You can expect them not to want the postal service to die completely. Because for all those places in Tinbok 2 that UPS doesn't want to go, that FedEx doesn't want to go, guess who delivers that mail right now? The postal service. Because they do it on the cheap. So part of all those deficits that they talk about is because of unloading of the private uh, companies like uh, FedEx and all these other guys onto the postal service as well. So think about it. What they're trying to do is destroy our ability to send mail for cheap. First class mail, 50 cents or so. That same piece of mail, if you try to do it by FedEx, $5 or above. <clears throat> that is what they're talking about. One other way to tax you without calling it a tax. One other way to allow the private sector to milk you. They, under Obamacare, the insurance companies continued to milk you. Under Medicare Advantage, not Medicare, Medicare Advantage, the, the private companies milk you. Under every single system we have today, the government finds some sort. When I say government, those people who like to lie to you about the product does it better. They go ahead and they say, okay, let's give that to the private sector. It's a tax, not calling it a tax. If you have to pay profit to the shareholders, large salaries to the executives, that is a tax on you. They just don't call it a tax because you're not giving it to Uncle Sam. You're giving it to Uncle Private. And Uncle Private is not 
most of us, Uncle Private is enriching a few, while when we give it to Uncle Sam, all of us pay a lesser price and do a whole lot better. Folks, we have got to wake up and understand what is going on. Um, there is nothing inherent to this is to Eric Hayes. He says, privatize. That is a, you know, it always behooved me, right? Why just saying privatize? Somehow people think things are more efficient. When, when you look at what privatization means, it, it means immediately that you're adding cost. Example, if I have the postal service right now that does not have to make a profit, does not have to pay high-priced executives, does not have to pay shareholders, I can reduce the cost of service to the average American citizen, which is why it only costs 50-something cents to send a piece of mail. FedEx cannot send a piece of mail at that price. Why? Because FedEx has other expenses. It has to pay the government. I mean, it has to pay uh, the shareholders and it has to pay its executives. Okay? I mean, this is math. And what drives me is how... It drives me crazy how the private sector, and by the way, I have nothing against the private sector. I had my own company writing software. I, I created the software, and Boeing bought it, and Exxon bought it, and Shell bought it, and Texaco bought it, and I made a profit. I remember when I had one of the, the only products that could drop the RTS signal, and I charged a whole bunch of money for it, and then felt guilty and dropped the price a bunch because I'm like, Everything I speak against is what I was doing. It's a cancer. And, I, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, the company will pay for it. And No. Ultimately, the, person, the only people who pay for everything in this country, the only people who, make, who pay the ultimate price in this country are the lower class people, the people that have something called zero pricing power. In other words, they have to live with everything that we give them. Those are the minimum wage workers. Those are the people who have to go to work and beg for a raise. And if they say no, you have no recourse because you don't have a union. Those are the only people that pay everything. When I charge $10,000 for a license for Boeing for the testing, the, their, their, their onboard equipment, uh, you know, it's like, wow, good money, right? Great. Does Boeing care that he paid me or the company $10,000 for a piece of software? No, they don't. Because that is going to end up to going all the way down to the only people who don't have price and power. They just raise the price of the ticket. And that is, those are the concepts that we don't want to teach the average American citizen because what they're going to find out is... We want a bifurcated economy. We want an economy where all the things that are a must has to be within the public domain and all the leisurely things then is in the private sector. So, I mean, you have things like software and all of that can be in the private sector. You know, you don't have to fly here. You don't have to do all that kind of stuff. But things that you are dependent on, electricity, energy, healthcare. Those belong in the public domain. Because if it's, in, if, if it's for profit, I only make a profit if you're sick. 
So I have an incentive for you to be sick. I have an incentive for you to drive the most inefficient car. I have an incentive, and, and you have to understand that. Now, if I have an incentive for you to buy more cakes, so what? And, it's, you know, and the thing about it is, there's a chapter in my book called The Indoctrination of the Church, Indoctrination of All These. We had to be indoctrinated for this system to survive because it's an immoral system. And only if you are indoctrinated can it survive because you're going to realize that it's always against you. Now, when it comes to the postal service problem that all these guys are lying to you about, the title of this article was The Post Office is Always Losing Money. And here are the four reasons, right? The four reasons that it loses money, I want to get to them real quickly. Uh, for starters, there's no reason the post service should make money. And right, it should not make money because it's not a for-profit. There's no executives or shareholders, so it's not a for-profit. It's supposed to be a break-even. It is essentially a federal agency with a universal service mandate. Service to whom? To all Americans that we can send and communicate with all our friends through the mail system for cheap. It costs the same to mail a letter to rural America as it does within densely populated cities, but publicly traded logistic companies charge more for deliveries to areas off the beaten track. Understand that. The reason why somebody intent, and that is why rural America always vote against their own interests. If they're voting against post offices, they're voting to hurt themselves because nobody wants to go to the, deliver to the rural areas. But the reason the same 59 cents or whatever 50 cents or whatever it costs to send a letter right across the street, it costs to send it to Timbuktu, Georgia, is because we understand the public need for communication in one country. Second, the USPS essentially doesn't directly control what it costs to mail a letter. Congress just say, we're going to charge you this, and that's it. That's it. FedEx doesn't deliver much letters because it's not profitable for them. But a lot of Americans want letters delivered. That's, you just made our point, Eric. Thank you so kindly. Federal Express and UPS only work with the profitable sections of the mail system, and they let the rest be done by the mail carriers. Now, if the mail carriers get real lousy, meaning they get less hours, etc., people are going to start paying FedEx if they really want something to get to place number two in one or two days. Right now, they can do that for 59 cents. FedEx will charge them $7. Get it. Understand it. So, to, so uh, here's the funny part. Second, the U UPS, USPS essentially doesn't uh, directly control what it costs to mail a letter. Congress, for instance, rolled back the two-cent stamp price in 2016, because lawmakers decided the Postal Service had recaptured the sales declines associated with the 2008-2009 financial crisis. In other words, they are responsible for bringing in less cash for the Postal Service. And at the same time, at the same time, a third critical factor, lawmakers imposed a new expense on the USPS because it was too profitable. Again, a third critical factor is that around 2006, lawmakers imposed a new expense on the USPS in part because it was too profitable. Finally, blame the internet. Yeah, a lot, of, lot less mail, regular paper mail because people just send emails to each other. But it's important to note this. 
uh, and this is a part of the article that everybody needs to read, and it has to do with pensions. It's a heavy burden, but for what? Congress required the Postal Service to pre-fund its health care obligations. No other company has to do that. Though companies have a pre-fund pension liabilities, a requirement that became part of the law in the 1970s. Companies put money into a trust that can continue to pay retirees even if the business goes under. Corporate health care benefits are paid as they are incurred. Congress essentially decided that the USPS should go a step beyond that. Corporations do, taking some of its profits and using them to pre-fund health care as it was a pension. It's a claim on USPS cash flow that other entities don't have to address. So they, make, they, they, force, the, they force it into losing money. And then they say, you see, it loses money. The problem when I talk about the, 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 the general purpose news is they don't tell you that they tell you this one time and then they carry the, the politicians talking about the, the postal service losing money, losing money, losing money, losing money. No, 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 no. We are saying that they pay the money as they, they incur the cost. Right now, they're asking them to, to go ahead and pre-fund health care for 20 years or I don't remember, 100 years. I don't remember how many years. Okay, I think it's 75 years. You don't need to do that. No other company is asked to do that. Because they, they put it in there, and after that, they don't have that expense anymore. It also it comes out of that fund. It's a, it was a way to kill the, the, the USPS. But let me tell you better. I know exactly what they're doing. They're pre-funding. They're, they, they want to create a big fund. And then later on, they're going to take that money out of that fund and somehow give it to the private sector. I know what they're doing. Seven to five years of pre-funding. Yes, thank you very much, E2247. So don't, don't buy into it. Again, a lot of these things are not known to the general public because the mainstream media think they like to claim that it is so um, esoteric. People are not going to care about it. But it affects your life. If you are being told that the postal service is not self-sufficient, that it's losing money, you won't complain when the joy destroys it and somehow then force the private sector to get involved. Like I say again, the private sector could not do without the post office, but the post office could do without the private sector. The private sector uses the post office to deliver mails to Timbuk2. But the U.S. mail can't use UPS and FedEx to deliver its mail to Timbuk2 because they don't go there. So they take the profit. Where they can make a profit is like, let's take, the, let's take New York City. Let's take Atlanta, Georgia. Let's take Houston, Texas. But if we got to go to Keecha, Louisiana, let's get it to Shreveport. And then in Shreveport, let's put it on a mail truck. And then the mail takes that to Shreveport. I mean, to, to Keecha. Or takes it to Little Town, Georgia. You have to understand the system, right? In other words, let me tell you how, listen to how this works, man. I can't get a piece of mail, FedEx can't get a piece of mail to Timbuktu, Georgia. But it can get the piece of mail to the mail center that ships to Timbuktu, Georgia. It is cheaper for them to ship to that center and then pay USPS the deflated price to then send it (laughs) 
to the end point in Timbuktu. That is the private sector abusing you. That is the private sector abusing you. And we just say, kick us one more time. Screw us one more time. And then these are the same people, the same companies, that to say, we don't want to pay more taxes. So they're using our tax dollars for their last mile because they want to give that profit to their shareholders and give bigger bonuses to their... Whom again? And then we pay. How stupid can we be? And then we have people fighting. Let's privatize. And, and they just laugh to the bank. Those little peons out there. They are taking up our fight. We are fighting to let the millionaires and billionaires take our money and kick us to the curb. And you know why we're doing that? You know why? Because we are uninformed. There are two kinds of uninformed, right? There are those of us who, when we hear this information, say, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me that. Now I can join up and I can be a part of the posse that's going to make this change. And then there are those that continue to make excuses for the same, you know, it's like the battered, the battered spouse syndrome. It doesn't matter how battered you are. You try to defend your batterer. And I was going to first say battered woman syndrome, but I learned that that is actually wrong. They're actually battered men as well. It is a stereotype that it's only battered women in these relationships. There are also women who batter men. It's an equal opportunity offender. But because we're a sexist society, it just happens more on one side. We are coming close to the end of the program. I, I, hope, I, I hope those of you who heard what we talk about, the USPS, do something about it. And there's something you can do, and that is go directly to your congressperson. Okay, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Let, let the congresspersons know that we are no longer going to allow them to lie to us. Because you know what? The Congress people, they know the truth. Because they are partially responsible for screwing with the USPS. And, uh, you know, I don't even want to, you know, um, you know, people say, well, you know, the Democrats are in charge now. Why don't they do something? That's why we must blow up the filibuster. That's why the filibuster must die. Because, by the way, there are, there are, likely, there are likely to be some Democrats that are going to be paid off by the trucking companies and the, the, the carriers and so forth, who have used the filibuster as an excuse for something they don't want to do in the first place. Don't think that the reason the filibuster isn't blown up is because Democrats really don't want, uh, is because Republicans don't want it blown up. There are some Democrats that have to come clean themselves when the filibuster is blown up. Because there are some Democrats that are also that are also owned by the FedExes and the UPSs and the DHLs, etc. But if they have to come clean, they know where their bread is buttered and they will be forced to have a new set. A new set of people supporting them. Folks, please remember, if you are on YouTube, please support us by clicking that join button. And if you don't have a join button, 
the link that I'm putting into the thing right now. Uh, that is uh, politicsunright.com slash YouTube. That will help support our program. We do need your support real badly. Uh, please also support us via Patreon if you can. Politicsunright.com slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Politicsunright.com slash Patreon. You can also support us via PayPal. Politicsunright.com slash PayPal. Politicsunright.com slash PayPal. You can buy our book at Amazon. Here's a link at Amazon, but if you want to get rid of the middleman, you can also get our book at our store, politicsandright.com slash store. If you get it at our store, I'll include a bumper sticker in there as well, and I'll sign the book for those who buy it directly from our store. I can't do that from Amazon because Amazon ships directly to you. Uh, but anyhow, folks, I appreciate you being here with me. I know you have choices. I know you can be anywhere that you are here with me. I'm honored. I do ask you to please share. Please make sure that other people see these things that we speak about. Many of these things, uh, even though it may be tacitly covered every, how, every so often on the mainstream media, it's not made into the strength of purpose that it should have because, again, we have different masters to serve. Who do I serve? You. The masses. Who do they serve? Those who pay their what again? Those who pay their advertising. But they're not bad people. We just all have to survive. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Oh, I can't do that without calling out my people. I'm sorry. I'm going to go over about a minute. All right, folks. Uh, let's see who came here with me today. G Julie Vanasa, welcome aboard. Uh, AVQ, welcome aboard. Michael Rudden, welcome aboard. E2247, welcome aboard. Tom C, welcome aboard. Uh, coming down, coming down. If I miss you, just drop it a line. Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. Carl Foster, welcome aboard. Roberto Lewis, welcome aboard. Uh, coming down. Uh, Julie Van Astel, welcome aboard. And I'm Keith Curtis Jacobs, welcome aboard. My brother-in-law. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bruce Pollard, welcome aboard. Tech 777, welcome aboard. Jessica Taylor, thank you for being here. Welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. Paul Fleming, ATL, checking in. Welcome aboard. Deborah John, thank you for being here. Uh, come, coming down, coming down, coming down. I continue down. I continue down. I continue down. I really appreciate all of you being here. If I missed you, Gracie Allen, welcome aboard. I'm coming down. If I, you know, cross-eyed sometimes. Uh, coming down, coming down. The Duck That Quacks. Love that name, The Duck That Quacks. Thank you for being here, my friend. Okay, and I still am coming down. I drop it at the bottom of the line and I'll catch you. Uh, Brian Sams, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see, I'm continuing down, I'm continuing down, I'm continuing down. I got Bruce already. Uh, let's see, Eric Hayes says, later, later, my brother. I'm um, coming down, I'm coming down. Anybody else want to me at it? Okay, got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis, this is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.